Hello, welcome to the Better Questions Podcast. My name is Matt. Grateful you're here. Our question today is a doozy from Richard. Richard, thanks for sending this in. The question is, do you believe in traditionally ascribed authorship in the New Testament? How do you reconcile seemingly contradictions between the book of Acts and some of Paul's other works, such as Galatians? Do you believe he wrote all the epistles, or do you think, as most scholars seem to believe now that Paul did not write many of these epistles. All right. One of the things uh, I begin with in this question is I'm always hesitant when people make claims. Um, When they say things like most scholars seem to think or most scholars agree, um, I often immediately, my skeptical ears go up. Oftentimes you'll see people tweet this. It's almost like a I think in some ways people use it as a battering ram or a uh, almost a fallacy of authority. So they'll, they'll say, well, so-and-so thinks this, therefore it must be true, or scholars seem to agree. When the truth is, there is a wide variety of what scholars seem to think. And actually, if we're to be um, real clear, there, there, there's, a, I would, again, I'm doing the thing I said not to do, but a majority of Pauline scholarship today doesn't actually take the view that Paul didn't write many of the traditionally ascribed epistles that um, tradition says he did. Um, That's at least my understanding from my classes on Paul. But all that to say, um, let's dive into this because it is is a really good question. Um, When you survey the New Testament... uh, there are issues of authorship with particular books. Some I'll know better than others. This isn't something I'm an expert in, but I'll give you some of my general thoughts. Um, with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, well, none of these books explicitly mentions author. It's not like Matthew opens up and says, Hi, I'm Matthew, Grace and Peace to you, kind of like Paul does. Um, you know, Peter does this. Um, I think Jude does that. Uh, and Paul does it often, but we don't see that in any of the gospels um, however there are good reasons to believe that tradition the traditionally ascribed authorship of these books um, is in fact the people we believe wrote them first of all and with all the four gospels there's a uh, good early testimony that they're the authors um, i'm talking like second third or fourth century early christian leaders who are just generations removed who testify through oral tradition that these these um were the authors, and that's where we got Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and all that. It's not like that's something we came up with recently, okay? Um, and with that, like John has not only what we call, um, okay, so there's internal and external evidence when you're talking about authorship. External is people testifying to the author, and internal is things within the book that testify to the author. So, for example, with Paul's letters, you know, we're dealing with internal authorship. Paul says, I, Paul, wrote this letter. Okay. So then you can do, you know, the language studies and look at different words he's using and see like, oh, yes, you know, he uses these words a lot and he uses this sort of language a lot. This seems like Pauline language. This seems like a Pauline word. Um, okay. So, um, so when you think about For instance, let's take the book of John. Um, We've got decent, uh, not a slam dunk, but decent internal evidence that John wrote the book. 
Uh, there's a reference to the so-called disciple whom Jesus loved. This is a reference given throughout the book. At the end of chapter 21, verse 20 through 25, we find out, you know, you look at the other books, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the book of Revelation, which are all traditionally ascribed to John. And we have external evidence that these books were written by John. But if you look at the language and the themes and the phrases of John and Revelation, it matches up really, really well with the Gospel of John. And so again, we have, once you have sort of established this authorship of John, um, we could say that John has written these other four books ascribed to him, if, it, if, it, if they seem to fit within that. Um, so it's not like blind faith. I mean, we have evidence here, both external from early church records and, and oral tradition, but also internal from looking at the text itself. Um, there's, you know, we, we have a lot of evidence that Acts is clearly attached to Luke. There's not a whole lot of dispute on that. It's kind of like a two volume work. Um, we see um, internal evidence with the travel narratives in the book of Acts where Paul's traveling around with Luke and then all of a sudden Luke kind of drops off and it's like they dropped Luke off somewhere. Um, it's the we passages. Right? We went here, we went there, and that includes Paul, Luke, and maybe other people. And then um, that's the first person plural. Then all of a sudden it says they were here and they went here. And all of a sudden you look and Luke's no longer there. And so by process of elimination, when it turns from we to they and we see Luke is no longer with him, then Luke must be the we in these passages. Um, again, these are just little language things where we can kind of make these connections um, and sort of see where, yeah, that makes sense that this person would be the author of the book. Now with Paul, this is probably the more disputed one. Um, there are 13 letters, I, I think. I could be wrong, but I think there's 13. And there are many who um, believe that Paul only wrote seven of those letters. So even though there are 13 letters ascribed to Paul in the New Testament, um, you know, every scholar believes that Paul wrote Romans, Galatians, First and Second uh, Corinthians, and Philippians. I think that's seven. I might have missed one. Um, but there, there really isn't a whole lot of debate there. It's, it's all very both external and internal evidence points to that. Um, and now, if you want my opinion on this. Um, I think Paul wrote all 13 letters, and I don't think there's strong enough evidence um, to be able to say that he didn't, especially when he claims authorship. He says, I, Paul. And some say, well, maybe somebody was writing as Paul, and that's certainly possible. Um, but I think some of the arguments against Pauline scholarship of, say, Ephesians or Colossians are really bad. Um, that most of it's founded on arguments that there are lots of words that Paul likes to use, and we don't see those words in those specific books. And I'm kind of like, that's it? That's that's the whole argument? Um, I just don't think it's very strong. And, you know, it's it's not like Paul's vocabulary is limited to, to seven letters. I I think that very much so when you're when you're writing to different contexts and groups of people, you do use different language. Um, so let me give you a concrete example of this. We're about to get a little bit in the weeds. So at this point, if you're like, uh, I don't really care. This is, this is too soggy for me. Then totally get it. You can move on. Um, but let's, let's dive in. So James Dunn, renowned New Testament scholar. If I remember his argument, I don't want to mischaracterize his argument, but essentially 
he says um, that since uh, in Ephesians 2.8, where it says we have been justified by faith in the past tense, he argues uh, that since it's in the past tense, and we know Paul does not talk about justification in the past sense, therefore it was not written by Paul. Okay. So you have the this example of save past tense, and yet Paul in his other letters, the term salvation is often used in a future tense. Um, it's true for the most part. And think about Romans, for instance, you typically have the word salvation conveyed in the future sense, like we will be saved from God's wrath in the future. Um, and Paul uses terms like redeem or justification or these metaphors for what we would consider the larger umbrella of salvation. And typically, um, Paul does use these terms, justification in particular, in the past tense. But when it comes to soteria, which is the, the Greek word for salvation, um, it's typically used in the future tense, but not exclusively. He does have passages in his seven undisputed letters where he refers to salvation in the past tense. And if he didn't, um, Paul, as a human being, can talk about salvation in the future tense and the past tense. That, that doesn't, um, both can be true at the same time. Paul typically talks about salvation in the future sense in those seven letters, but it's not exclusive, which is why I think it's a bad argument to say that Paul couldn't have written Ephesians um, simply because of this example. Um, now, in some circles, I might get um, raked under the coals if I say this too loudly, but there are a lot of scholars who go along with certain consensus because defending traditional authorship is just not that interesting. And so they're like, well, let's find a more interesting way to um, think about these ancient texts. And I, I don't know deep down how many of these scholars actually believe that Paul could not have written Ephesians. Um, there are other, other letters I see more convincing case for, like First Timothy, for example. You know, it's... So... It wouldn't have been that uncommon um, to have a pseudonym or have somebody uh, write to write under the name of somebody else. Uh, so it's possible that another person could be writing in Paul's name, um, but not actually be Paul. And <laughs> so I think Paul, for various reasons, did write Timothy. I think the argument for his authorship outweighs the argument against it. And at the end of the day, that, that's where I land. It's like, sure, I, I see the, the argument against his authorship, but I don't know that it's stronger than the argument for it until it, it actually is more uh, convincing. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't exactly understand why we have to jump to that side. Now, Hebrews is a unique example because we don't know who wrote Hebrews. James probably wrote James. He said he wrote James. There's no reason why James couldn't have written James. Peter says he wrote Peter. Now there's a lot of dispute about Second Peter. Um, some scholars would say that the Apostle Peter couldn't have written Second Peter, and it's because it's written in an apocalyptic kind of way, and it reads like the Book of Revelation. Um, it doesn't feel like Peter. It fits more into with second century style kind of works. Um, and I I would ask the question when I, when I read these things, how, how do you know what Peter's writing style is? How many letters of Peter's do we need to determine his writing style? 
Um, how do you know whether or not he could have written in an apocalyptic kind of genre? Again, just because it was popular in the second century, um, we all f- also have evidence of it in Judaism in 200 years before in the first century. So to say that Peter, too, um, couldn't have written by Peter really is just a, a leap. It's an assumption. Um, and again, if the evidence was stronger to suggest that he didn't write it, then then maybe you have a case. I just don't think it is. Um, now, I do want to make room for people who disagree with this. Uh, are there contradictions between Paul of Acts and Paul's letters? Um, you know, this comes down to how Paul and how Paul treats the Jewish law in Acts versus how he treats it in his letter. He's very negative on the law in his letters. Galatians especially, like read Galatians 3, you're like, geez, Paul seems to be very anti-Jewish law. Uh, and Romans too, to some extent. Whereas in the book of Acts, Paul seems to uphold Jewish law. He's out circumcising. Uh, Timothy, making vows at the temple. He very pro-law. And then um, we, we go to 1 Corinthians 9 and Paul says that I'm all things, I'm, I'm all men to the Jews. And so, so yeah, like when he's running around in Jewish circles, yeah, he doesn't say the same things he did in some of the letters, you know, but on the other hand, when he's talking about people who are forcing Gentiles to become Jews in order to become Christian, that's when he gets all worked up and he confronts Peter in Galatians 2. And um, see, I don't, I don't think there are tensions. I think they're just interpreting Paul in, his, in specific contexts. They're actually quite harmonious. Um, you get a different side of Paul in Acts, but I don't think it's a contradiction. And I don't think Luke's making this stuff up about Paul either. Okay, this was a lot. This was a lot of my off the top of my head thoughts, and I probably should have done a little bit more refreshers on this. But in conclusion, um, I think that we should be um, always quick to, when, when a traditional perspective on the scriptures is confronted. And I think new scholarship is good. And sometimes it, um, you know, the early church didn't get everything right. It's, it's, it's the reality. The first, second, third century, there, there were, there's fallibility, there's, there's mistakes. Um, and we should always continue to be interpreting the scriptures uh, within, within our contexts and everything. However, Unless the evidence is stronger against the traditional view, I think we need to be more careful to just uh, dismiss uh, what those perspectives are, specifically in this case with authorship. And um, I think overall, when people throw out things like, well, all scholars agree. Okay, when anybody says that, just immediately you should be skeptical of that claim. Because the truth is, all scholars don't agree. Um, and when people say, "Well, now you know this is what this is what consensus is," and again, I have my feelings on that. So, hope this was semi-helpful. It was a hard question. Um, I need to do some more research on it, indeed. But keep sending in the questions. Um, I really enjoy diving into this stuff, and we hope to see you next week. Have a good one. Grace and peace.